Hey everybody, we are here and we are ready to go. Dave Therrien with you, New Hope Radio. Did, did you ever wonder, who are the angels? We're going to find out today. Who are those angels? What are they all about? Whose side are they on? What do they do for us? What do they do for God? Good topic. Who are the angels? One thing we know. We are living in a natural world. But you know the spirit world? That's with us too. Oh yeah, there's two worlds. Matter of fact, there is but a step from the natural world to the spirit world. And the dividing wall is our fleshly bodies. Now, we have a pretty good understanding of what populates the natural world, right? People, animals, birds, fish, plants. But what populates the spirit world? the Bible reveals what's in the natural world and it also reveals what's in the spirit spirit world God has not kept it a secret and I'm glad so today we're gonna learn who are the angels I'm going to tell you where they came from. Do you ever wonder where the angels came from? Like, hey, where those angels come from? Well, the Bible tells us, Colossians 1, verse 16, speaking of Jesus, for by him all things were created, both in the heavens oh, and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him, and here it comes, for him. All things have been created through him and for him. Now, you know who's part of that all things? We are. We have been created for God. We have been created for him. So God is a ruler. God is the ruler over like everything. There's nothing that God is not a ruler over. Okay? So let's talk about these angels that God created. How many are there? Did you ever try to stop to count the angels? It's like counting the sand at the sea. In Revelation 5, John had a vision. I'm like, wow, how cool. John got to see heaven. And in verse 11, he said, Then I looked, and I heard the voice of many angels. They were around the throne, and the living creatures, and the elders. And the number of them was myriads of myriads, and thousands of thousands. How many angels are there? Too many to count. You can't count them. They go as far as the eye could see. If you were in heaven right now and all the angels were stacked up and you looked, you couldn't see the end. 
Man, when God does something, <laughs> he does big. He does it big, doesn't he? Oh, yeah. A lot of angels. Thousands upon thousands. Myriads of myriads. Myriad is like, forget about it. Don't even bother counting. That's a myriad. Now, what about the world of angels? There are three classes of angels. There are cherubim, there are seraphim, and there are angels. Okay? Now, the cherubim, they have a particular function. They protect the holiness of God and sacred objects of God. And we find them on the mercy seat of the Ark of the Covenant. Of course, they're golden statues, replicas of cherubim, but that's what they represent. They guard the entrance to the Garden of Eden. Remember after man was exiled from the Garden? The Lord put cherubim at the entrance with flaming swords so they can't come back in. If they forgot something, too late. Too late, can't get back in and get it. You know, that's it. You're exiled. As a matter of fact, these cherubim were so close to God, you know that Lucifer was a cherub. Lucifer was one of them. In Ezekiel 28, verse 14, God says to him, You are the anointed cherub who covers, and I placed you there. You were on the holy mountain of God. You walked in the midst of the stones of fire. I'm not going to get into what all that means, but the point is that Lucifer, being a cherub, he was right in the holiness of God. He was like that close. He was probably the closest to God of all the angels. Wow. He was almost like, you could say, God's body God. Not that God needed a body God, but that's how close Lucifer was. So those are cherubim. They God, the holiness of God, and the objects of God, the sacred objects. Then we've got seraphim. Now, the root word of seraphim, or seraph really, I-M makes it plural, but the root word means to burn. These are angels of cleansing. See, fire cleanses. And they're mentioned only in the book of Isaiah. In Isaiah chapter 6, verse 1. In the year of King Uzziah, Uzziah's death, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne, lofty and exalted, with the train of his robe filling the temple. You ever sing that song, I saw the Lord? It's a nice song. He said, verse 2, Seraphim stood above him, having six wings. Oh. With two he covered his face. With two he covered his feet. And with two he flew. And one called out to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And therefore, it appears that Oh, wait a minute. If seraph means to burn, and these angels are worshiping God, it appears that worship is a type of cleansing agent. Hmm. Why is there so much worship in heaven? It's a cleansing agent. Why do we worship in church? It's like the first thing we do, right? Why do we come and begin the church service with worship? 
to cleanse. Maybe we cleanse our soul. Maybe we're cleansing the atmosphere. We're setting up an environment for worship. So we've got the cherubs, the cherubim. They guard the holiness of God. We've got the seraphim. They're the cleansing angels. They worship God. And then we've got angels. Okay? Now, angels, here's something about angels. They're innumerable. They're God's messengers. We have good and fallen angels. They're mighty in power. They're glorious. And they minister to God's people. So we'll see some of these different functions and roles of these angels. The Bible tells us in Hebrews 1.14, Are they not all ministering spirits sent out to render service for the sake of those who will inherit salvation? Oh, that's us. Ministering spirits to the people of God. I'm like, yes, thank you, Lord. Bring it on. God has angels in the church age. And you know what they do? They minister to God's people. If you're God's people, they'll minister to you. Now, angels are divided into categories. The first category I want us to see, they're called execution angels. They're the executioners of God's wrath. Oh yeah, these are the guys that bring it down. They boom, they lower the hammer. First Thessalonians 1 Thessalonians 1.6, Paul said, For after all, it is only just for God to repay with affliction those who afflict you and to give relief to you who are afflicted and to us as well when the Lord Jesus will be revealed from heaven with his mighty angels and flaming fire and here comes Jesus, right, with his flaming fire, dealing out retribution to those who do not know God and to those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus. These will pay the penalty of eternal destruction away from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of its power. So we've got these execution angels. These are the ones that are going to bring chastisement to the unbelievers, to the Christ-rejectors, okay? They'll gather the elect from the four corners of the earth, according to Matthew 24, and he will send forth his angels with a great trumpet, and they will gather together his elect from the four winds, from one end of the sky to the other. So these angels, we've got these execution angels, these gathering angels, right? All of this will take place probably at the beginning of the tribulation and then again at the end. See, judgment will come and it's going to come through God's execution angels. Then we have ministering angels. They supply the physical needs of God's people. Matter of fact, Jesus had ministering angels as well. Matthew 4.11 Remember the temptation of Jesus? After the, after the temptation and the devil left him, behold, angels came and began to minister to Jesus. What did they do? Well, you know, he went 40 days without eating. Then he had that three-round bout with the devil. I'm sure he was pretty exhausted. And the angels came and they ministered 
to Jesus. Uh, these ministering angels are also in the Old Testament. First Kings 19, an angel brought food to Elijah. And you can read that story there as well. So God, you know what? He's got his angels that take care of his people. We've got angels that are called the watchers. They're watching angels. They're angels who watch over the affairs of men. They're observers, so to speak. And concerning Nebuchadnezzar's dream, we can go back to the Old Testament. In Daniel 4.13, he said, I was looking in the visions in my mind as I lay on my bed, and behold, an angelic watcher, a holy one, descended from heaven. This sentence is by the decree of the angelic watchers, and the decision is a command of the holy ones, in order that the living may know that the Most High is ruler over the realm of mankind, and bestows it on whom he wishes, and sets over it the lowliness of men, the, low, the lowliest of men. And Daniel had a dream. The dream was about a beautiful tree that was cut down and left just a stump. This was King Nebuchadnezzar's life, that he would be reduced to almost nothing. In verse 23, here is what he said, in that the king saw an angelic watcher, a holy one descending from heaven, and saying, chop down the tree and destroy it, yet leave the stump with its roots in the ground, but with a band of iron and bronze around it, and the new grass of the field, and let him be drenched with the dew of heaven, and let him share with the beasts of the field until seven periods of time pass over him. This was a sentence on Nebuchadnezzar. You know what happened? They, he, he lost his kingdom, and he went out into the field like an animal. He lived like an animal, and he ate grass. And he was there probably being humbled by God until he came to his senses. You know, sometimes God has to get pretty severe when he humbles people to bring them to their senses. So these watcher angels, they agree with God, and they carry out his will concerning the affairs of men. See, here's the thing we have to remember as Christians, that we are being watched, and our lives are being lived out before the angels. And you know what they're learning? They're also learning about the grace of God. See, angels don't know grace because they saw God. They don't need grace. They don't need faith. They saw God. But we as humans, we never saw God. And we walk by faith. And in grace, we live with God. And the angels are learning something about the grace of God that they never knew before. So that's why our lives are so critical. It's so important, especially to be faithful to God. There's a New Testament commentary on these angels. In 1 Peter 1.12, where Peter said, These things, which now have been announced to you through those who preached the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit, sent from heaven, things into which angels long to look. And there it is. The angels long to look into what? The gospel. 
the preaching of the gospel. And you know what they're seeing? They're seeing people get saved by faith. They're like, wow. And you know what they're seeing? That God is a good God. Because you know, Lucifer, oh, that he's a bad dude. He got one-third of the angels to rebel against God because they didn't believe that God was that good. So God says, I'm going to show you something good. I'm going to show you grace. And God treats us in grace. Yes, we're rebellious. Yes, we're flawed. Yes, we have a sin nature. And God treats us in grace. And the angels go, wow, look at that. Jesus said in Luke 15.10 that there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. Yeah, these are not the fallen angels. No, these are the elect angels. These are the ones that stayed faithful to God. They're, they're joyful because they know what we've been spared from. And they see the grace of God in action. Then we have what's called, and you've heard of these before, Guardian angels, right? We were taught when, when we were little kids, oh, we all have guardian angels. You know, I, it's true. I would say that. Jesus talked about it in Matthew 18.10. He said, oh, see that you do not despise one of these little ones. For I say to you that their angels in heaven continually see the face of my Father who is in heaven. I believe the Bible teaches us that we have angels assigned to us to watch over us. Oh, and by the way, these angels also have access to God. So be, what's the word I want? Be comforted. Be confident. God has assigned an angel to you to watch over you. Then we have the archangel. Michael. The archangel. He is the prince of the nation of Israel. He seems to have a role as the general. Michael seems to be like a general. He, like he has his own angels, like a general has his own soldiers. Michael seems to have his own angels. In Revelation 12 verse 7, there was war in heaven. And Michael and his angels waging war with the dragon. And the dragon and his angels waged war. Now this is going to take place in the middle of the Great Tribulation, where Satan is finally booted out of heaven, and he comes down to the earth, oh man, with great wrath. He's hot. He's madder than a wet rooster. He's coming down, because he got booted out of heaven. See, right now, he has access to God. I don't know why, I'd kick him out right now. But he has access to God, and he accuses the brethren day and night. But in the middle of the tribulation, that God's like, there's going to be another war. And Michael leads his angels, and that's it. Satan's kicked out of heaven, and he comes to the earth. He often takes on Satan. For instance, in Jude 1, verse 9, Michael the archangel, the Bible says, when he disputed with the devil and argued about the body of Moses, he did not dare pronounce against him a railing judgment, but said, The Lord rebuke you. You know, even Michael, though he was righteous and Satan was evil, Satan was still a cherub. 
he was a higher-ranking angel, and Michael would not disrespect the office of the cherub. He said, I'm going to leave you to the Lord. Let the Lord rebuke you. Daniel prayed for an answer to a vision that he had in chapter 10, verse 13. And it took three weeks to get the answer. And finally, an angel brought the response. And he said, oh, the prince of the kingdom of Persia. This was a demonic angel that was above the area. He was withstanding me for 21 days. Oh, then behold, Michael, one of the chief princes, he came to help me. For I had been, been left there with the king of Persia. So we had a lower angel fighting with this, trying to get through this higher angel. And then Michael came and got him through because he was a higher angel than him. Okay? So there's a lot to learn about the angels. There are other chief princes mentioned. There are extra biblical writings, which are not like in the Bible, but they name angels like Jegudiel, Selafiel, Uriel, Raphael. I don't know. They're not mentioned in scripture, but they're mentioned in extra biblical writings. Are they real? I don't know. Maybe they are. Maybe they're not. At the rapture of the church in 1 Thessalonians 4.16, the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel and the trumpet of God, trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. So Michael the archangel, he's got a lot to do with, you know, delivering the people of God. Then we've got Gabriel. He's never said to be an archangel. I'm not sure if he is. He's God's personal messenger. He came to Daniel at the end of time in Daniel 9.16. He came to Mary concerning the birth of Jesus. Remember in Luke 1.26? It was in the sixth month the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city in Galilee called Nazareth to a virgin engaged to a man whose name was Joseph of the descendants of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. So he brought the message. In Matthew 1.20, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph, probably the same one, Gabriel. That appeared to Mary, and he told him, Hey, Joseph, you're going to be a dad. Name him Jesus. Don't name him Joseph. Name him Jesus. He came to Zacharias concerning the birth of John the Baptist in Luke one nineteen. So Gabriel seems to be the personal messenger of God. Now, it's not always a friendly relationship that we have with the world of spirits. Because in Ephesians 6.12 it says, Our struggle is not against people, flesh and blood, but it's against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. So here, now we've got fallen angels, and there is a hierarchy of fallen angels. We've got the rulers. They are, these, are, these are the preeminent ones. We've got the powers. These are called authorities under the rulers. They're in the lower atmosphere. We've got the world forces. These are the rulers over the nations. Maybe that's the one that uh, that angel had a tough time with when uh, Michael had to come and break through. We've got spiritual forces. These are evil spirits that tempt. Oh, yeah, these are those the ones that tempt us. So you can see that God has a hierarchy of angels. Satan also has a well-organized system of authority that is engaged in spiritual warfare against God and against God's angels and against God's people. 
And these angels come against Israel. They come against the church. So the whole world is the battleground. We are living on a battleground. And they make life difficult for us while we're here. But you know what? (laughs) We know the outcome. Oh, yes, we do. Remember in the very beginning in Colossians 1, God, through Jesus, created everything. By him, all things were created, both in the heavens and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. So God has rulership over all the angels, elect and fallen. He has rulership over all the powers, and you are on the side of God. If you are washed in the blood of Christ through faith in who he is and what he did on the cross, you are on the side of God. And that's where you better be because when the, when the execution angels come on the scene, they are going to bring the judgment of God. They really are. So that's why the gospel is so important. We have to believe the gospel. We have to preach the gospel to every creature. No wonder Jesus gave the great commission. Go into all the world and preach the gospel. You know why? Because they need to hear it. They need to at least know it so they can choose. Do they want to be on the side of God or do they want to be on the side of the evil one? But the gospel gives them a greater opportunity to make that choice. So you can see, yeah, stay confident, stay brave, stay bold. You will not lose. You are on the winning side with the Lord Jesus Christ. Oh, yeah, man, we got angels. But hey, you get a guardian angels. And believe me, he's probably got one eye closed when you're out there driving on the highway. (laughs) Oh, no. So, hey, this might be something you want to listen to again, because there's a lot to learn about the angels. So I want to thank you for watching. You can go to our website. You can catch these messages, these podcasts, newhopecc.tv. Scroll down a little ways. All the messages are there. And this message on the angels will be there today. I want to thank you for coming along. Tell a friend about New Hope Radio. Maybe they're a Christian. Hey, maybe they're not a Christian. It doesn't matter. They'll get some truth from the program. Thanks for coming along, and I'll see you next time.